0: And you can get an extra three months free. ExpressVPN.com slash slash film.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, November 7th, 2018. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film editor in chief, Peter Soretta, And joining me today's podcast is Slash Film senior writer, Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And writers, Y Trend Bowie.
2: Hey, everyone.
1: And Chris Evangelista. Hello. Okay, so over the last few hours, there has been some big breaking news in the Breaking Bad universe. Uh, There was word yesterday that a Breaking Bad movie might be in the works, and we actually broke the exclusive today on what it involves. Um, But let's, uh, let's rewind a little bit. Chris, I know you wrote the story yesterday when we found out what was the initial rumblings.
3: All right, so the Albuquerque Journal, I believe it's called, uh, reported that um, a, a production was gearing up to start in New Mexico uh, under the the uh, working title Greenbrier, but they said despite that title, this was actually a Breaking Bad movie, and that Vince Gilligan, who created Breaking Bad, was uh, involved to write and possibly direct this film. So at first that was just a rumor you know it started as a rumor and then by late night uh the trades you know variety and thr and deadline they all confirmed it actually is happening a breaking bad movie is happening and um then today we broke the word that uh we confirmed what the film is so Last night, the, the story was the film was involving a, a kidnapped man trying to escape, and that immediately got everyone thinking the movie was going to be about Jesse Pinkman, because in the last season of Breaking Bad, he gets kidnapped by Nazis what, who force him-
1: wait, a... wait, wait, wait a second. Should we give spoiler warnings here?
3: No, this show has been off the air for like- It's
2: been like I... 10 years now, Yeah, right?
0: I think oh, it that... ended in like 2013 or 2014 I mean, or something, years, so it's least. yeah, it's been a while. Oh,
1: okay, well- spoilers from now uh, for the next like probably five to ten minutes that if you have not watched Breaking Bad uh, you're going to get spoiled okay yes. go on
3: Yes. so in the last season of Breaking Bad uh, Jesse Pinkman played by Aaron Paul gets kidnapped by Nazis who force him to cook meth and eventually he escapes because Walter White played by Bryan Cranston shows up and kills all the Nazis with a robot machine gun that pops out of his car <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, uh, you know, Walter White dies from he because he gets shot in the fray and Jesse drives away and he's he's laughing maniacally because he's finally escaped. So that, you know, when this word broke that the film was going to be about this kidnapped man, almost everyone assumed, oh, maybe the movie is about Jesse. Uh, so today we confirm that that is indeed what the film is about. It's about Jesse after he gets away. So th- the film is basically a sequel to the series and Aaron Paul is coming back to reprise the role of Jesse. And uh, then after that broke word came from Brian Cranston, who of course was starred in the show that yes, there is a Breaking Bad movie happening, but he's not sure if he's in it or not. He said he hasn't read the script yet. He hasn't been offered the script yet, but he has talked to Vince Gilligan about the film. And if Vince Gilligan asks him, he will come back. Of course, It's not clear how that's going to work because his character is dead. So you know, it could always
1: be. Aren't there some people that are theorizing that he actually isn't dead? Do do we not have it? It's been a while since I've watched that finale. Probably when it aired.
3: He's dead. He's dead. (laughs) I mean, he gets shot and he falls on his back, and the camera zooms out with him laying. Lifelessly on hey, the ground i'm
1: not I'm not trying to argue that he's alive, but i I remember when the finale aired, a lot of people were trying to argue that he could still have survived,
3: yeah, but people are silly, so they're wrong, and he's <laughs> he's definitely dead, so he's dead, but you could always do flashbacks, you could always have walter white's ghost pop up you're gonna you know there's a million options so we'll we'll have to see what happens
1: i i, I, th- I love that you think it's more likely that we're going to see the go the force ghost of walter white than we are going to see walter white alive
3: well it's just because you know that last shot of jesse makes it pretty clear that his mind has been uh severely altered by his traumatic experience so i could see jesse being like you know hallucinating that Walt, Walter White's ghost is there. I don't think it's like the real, there's not going to be a real ghost that shows up, but I could see him hallucinating something like that. I, w- I want
1: to hear what you guys think, because, you know, it has been a few years since the finale, and I, I, I think the finale kind of wrapped things up quite nicely for this character. So I'm a little hesitant to be excited for kind of a sequel movie. Although I do love this universe. I love, Better Call Saul, and I was actually kind of excited for Better Call Saul to catch up with the Breaking Bad timeline and maybe actually see Aaron Paul's, uh, Jesse's story uh, continue alongside Saul's in, in, in that format. Maybe that's how this movie came about. Maybe Vince Gilligan kind of pitched that to Aaron Paul. Uh, I mean, Vince Gilligan is involved, so we should have faith in him. He has Created some 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 great content over the last you know decade plus. Um, wh- what do you guys think, HT? Let's start with you.
2: I don't particularly need a, a Jesse sequel. I liked how the finale wrapped up the stories for J- both Jesse and Walter, and how it left on an op- a sort of open ended note for Jesse. In that we could imagine, like the, after the trials he's gone through, that he could finally be free of this life that he's tried to live to leave so many times. But at the same time, I am a huge fan of Jesse um, and his character. And I wouldn't mind just t- to watch a two hour movie, especially after Vince Gilligan has done so well in the Breaking Bad universe with Better Call Saul and has proven that he is a like still a, like a very skilled writer who can bring these characters to life further after the like Shakespearean tragedy that was break- Breaking Bad.
0: Ben, how about you? Um, I am sort of right on the same page with HT. I I don't, this isn't something that I ever thought that I would want or need, but if Vince Gilligan is involved, I I feel like he understands the legacy of Breaking Bad better than anybody and and the pressure and all of the stuff that comes along with that. I feel like this must be a story that he is really interested in telling. And if that's, if that's the case, then I guess I'm interested in, in seeing what he has to say with it. When you guys were just mentioning, you know, whether or not Walter White was really dead. I was searching in the slash film archives because I, I feel like I remember Vince Gilligan commenting on that. And anyway, I got distracted because I found this article from 2013 where Vince <laughs> Gilligan talks about what happens to Jesse after. The end of Breaking Bad, and I feel like it's oh. it may be relevant to our conversation. Uh, the, he did an interview with GQ, and he yeah. said, my personal feeling is that he got away, but the most likely thing, as negative as this sounds, is that they're going to find this kid's fingerprints all over this lab, and they're going to find him within a day or a week or a month. And he's going, he's still going to be on the hook for the murder of two federal agents. But yeah, even though that's the most likely outcome, the way I see it is that he got away and got to Alaska, changed his name, and had a new life. You want that for the kid. He deserves it. So that was Vince Gilligan's uh, thought in 2013. Who knows if that's changed or if maybe that's a, you know, a little bit of an insight into (laughs) the direction for how this thing could go.
1: That is interesting. Uh, So so that could be what this movie is. Uh, Chris, I know you're a big fan of you're a fan of Breaking Bad, but you're a bigger fan of Better Call Saul. Like, what, what are you thinking with this movie?
3: Yeah, I don't know, because my knee-jerk reaction is is to think, like, we don't need this, and I loved how Breaking Bad ended. I liked not really knowing what happened to Jesse, but I remember when Better Call Saul was announced, I had almost the same feeling, where I was like, ugh, we don't need that. And then it ended up becoming one of my all-time favorite shows, and a show I like more than Breaking Bad. So I can't write it off. And the fact that, yeah, Vince Gilligan is involved, and he doesn't seem like someone who just would do you know like a cash grab it does suggest that you know there's going to be actual thought put into this so i'm i'm cautiously optimistic
1: i just like wonder what is jesse's character like what is the appealing thing about jesse's character now that walter white isn't you know in his life like i i guess i guess it's that of a survivor right um like, there... I kind of
2: saw him as the perennial victim in a way. Yeah, but uh, now, especially... now now that he's yeah.
1: but now that Malter White's not there, is there's nobody for him to be victimized by.
2: Yeah, that's very true.
1: Hmm. I I I I'm very curious to see where this goes. Uh I mean I Chris, you were right. Like uh Better Call Saul for me and my my money and even Guillermo del Toro's money. He he said too that Better Call Saul is a better show than Breaking Bad, and I actually believe that. And um, I don't know. I, I'm 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 interested to see where this goes and what we what we learn about this Breaking Bad movie. And do do, do we even know if this is a theatrical movie or a TV movie? Do we have any idea?
3: We do not because everyone keeps saying it could be either theatrical or TV and AMC is doing something similar with The Walking Dead where they're making those movies, which it's not clear if they're TV or theatrical or not. So I I really don't know. I I think The Walking Dead movies are supposed to be for TV. So maybe that's what this is, too.
1: I wonder if there is a way, you know, stop me if this sounds too crazy, but if there is a way for this to be a movie that is not only a sequel to Breaking Bad, but is also the finale for Better Call Saul. Like this is the this is the sequel for both shows in some way. Do you think that could be possible, Chris?
3: yeah uh, I I guess I I I don't know. I really don't like, know. Like, like, could Jesse
1: and Saul's tracks like collide I, at some
3: point? I mean, it's it's definitely possible. I I think. See, like, I feel like it'd be wrong to have Saul in this movie while the Saul show was still going on. Like, if Saul was over, then yes, but it, it would seem weird to me to have him show up in this. But that's just my way of thinking. I don't, I don't, I have no idea what Vince Gilligan wants to do.
0: Yeah, and this is supposed. This movie's supposed to start filming like pretty soon, right? Yeah, that was the the rumor from the Albuquerque Journal, right,
3: Chris? Yeah, it's supposed to be. I think before the year is even over,
0: or if not, then early next year. Yeah. yeah so I don't. Know, I don't know, Peter, if that if the timing would line up well. If we knew that, like the last, the next season of Better Call Saul was the last one, or something, and like the production schedules lined up, then maybe that theory could could work. But I, I, yeah, I don't know.
1: Well, we will keep our eyes on this one, but let's let's move on to other news. Let's start off with Netflix. Uh, we've talked about how they are doing theatrical releases for uh, a couple films this year for award consideration. We're kind of wondering what what is the future of Netflix theatrical releases? HT, you wrote this up for the site. What do we know?
2: So the Hollywood Reporter has a report of things that are happening behind the scenes at Netflix now that they've made the drastic move of sort of conceding to theatrical releases for their Oscar contenders, which are uh, Roma, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, and Bird Box. But most especially Roma, which is considered uh, an Oscar frontrunner and will be receiving a three-week theatrical release before its streaming debut. Um, so at uh, behind the scenes at Netflix and with talent agents and agents who are representing the filmmakers especially who have deals with Netflix there is something that's that is being called uh, the Quran treatment because Alfonso Quran is uh, the director for Roma and apparently some filmmakers or their agents uh, are currently sort of jostling for ha- getting the Quran treatment for their their films. Um, uh, my client needs the Quran treatment, uh, or etc. So we've seen A list filmmakers like Martin Scorsese, Guillermo del Toro, Steven Soderbergh, uh, and Michael Bay having um, these deals with Netflix, and are possibly reconsidering their current um, deals with our which are their films go straight to Netflix. And have the day and date releases but now it's possible that if these films have uh, are in contention for an oscar they could have a theatrical prospect which is um what most directors ultimately want for theatrical releases according to an agent who spoke to uh, the hollywood reporter
1: yeah i think the real test isn't going to be this year the netflix theatrical releases i think it's going to be when scorsese's film finally hits theaters like because you know it really depends on like what kind of money that does theatrically and also you know i guess i guess you're right if the if these films hit uh if they they actually attract some awards out of this like maybe that is enough for netflix to do this in the future uh ben do you have any thoughts on this
0: I would love to see more Netflix movies in theaters just across the board. I love the option of the idea of just being able to choose the way that I take in these movies. And I think I talked about it a little bit when we were talking about Roma recently, like especially with a movie like that, where, um, you know, it's subtitles. It's a it's essentially a foreign film. Like there there are so many distractions at home. The idea of being able to go into a theater and like commit yourself to the theatrical experience and, and experiencing these movies on the big screen without those distractions um, is, is really appealing to me so I, I hope that they continue to uh, to take the theatrical thing uh, you know seriously moving forward but it also worries
1: me that like with a film with subtitles that uh, you know a small indie film like this that people won't go see it and Netflix might see this as like a financial fail of some kind.
0: Yeah, but don't you think Netflix has enough money that they can basically just do it, you know, put it in theaters to appease the filmmakers and, like, essentially take the loss? Like, they probably know that nobody except for hardcore cinephiles are going to turn out, too. But I feel like the idea of um, of appeasing big-name talent and, yeah. you know, people who may come back to work with them again and produce more content with them might be worth it for them, you know, just, like, balancing those two things.
1: No, I, I mean, you, you make a good point, but I think – we're pushing to an area where these filmmakers are going to get deals with Netflix, where they're going to actually like need a certain amount of theaters, which are probably way more than, you know, the cure On treatment. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, uh, you know, probably are going to ask for a minimum guarantee of, you know, spending for marketing for the theatrical release, which I feel like is going like that. That's going to end up costing money, even for, you know, a company, a you know, company of billions of dollars, like Netflix. Um, but, well, let's see. Let's see. Uh, also in the news, the 4400 is getting rebooted for the CW. Uh, ben, you wrote this up for the site. What do we know?
0: Yeah, so the 4400, I think it started in 2004 and it went off the air like 10 or 11 years ago. And uh, just because a show can- was canceled or came to a natural conclusion that n- these days, that never actually means that it's over. Because now the CW, it started out on USA Network, but now the CW is resurrecting the 4400 and giving it a... Uh, a quote-unquote reimagining, um, even though the premise, uh, which you can read at SlashFilm.com, the synopsis for the new show, sounds almost identical to the premise of the original show. It, basically, it's about 4,400 people who disappear Uh, Over the course of many, many years from in this new show, it's going to be from the time that Sputnik launched in 1957 to like as recently as a couple of weeks ago. And then one day in 2019, all of them show up uh, at once and none of them have aged at all. and, And they don't have any memory of where they've been. So. It's just about them re-entering the world and trying to figure out what the hell happened. Um, Mahershala Ali, the, the uh, Oscar winner from uh, Moonlight, actually was in the original version of the show, and we know that uh, one of the original writers, Craig Sweeney, is going to be uh, a co-creator and a writer on this show, and Taylor Elmore from Justified is going to be serving as the showrunner.
1: See, I watched the show, and I I really liked it. Uh, I think one of the the negatives is it was what was it for the sci-fi channel was it was for what? us usa or, network USA yeah. network and this was before usa network uh you know did shows like uh mr robot and like bigger budget shows and it really yeah, felt this was like,
0: like the monk era
1: <laughs> yeah it really felt like it was a uh, very low budget it was all shot in like vancouver or something and uh it was like the, especially the later seasons, I believe, like dealt with big world... I mean, I, I guess the whole series as a whole dealt with world altering consequences, but it got bigger as the show went on, and it felt like the, the budget for the that the USA Network had to play with couldn't kind of quite handle that. So I'm, I am interested in a reboot, but I am not, um, you know, the the way CW does things with its kind of a. Uh, I guess it's like the Twilight era, era of um, like kind of young adult tinged, uh, and and everything kind of looks a little cheap. Like I'm not sure if that's enough for me to get excited for a reboot reboot of this uh, franchise. Did either? Did any of you guys watch the show?
2: I had never heard of the 4400 until today. Oh, really? You I know, It, it. it was I... really
1: good.
0: Yeah, I, I've never seen it an episode. I, I definitely knew that it was on and I was aware of it at the time, but I just never I think it was one of those where it was almost like before the era of um, of streaming. And I didn't want to go back and like rent the first season on DVD from Blockbuster or something and catch up. So I just uh, I missed the beginning and just never got on that particular train. Chris, did you ever see any of it?
3: No, I, too, have never heard of it until today. So there you have
1: it 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 is a good show i would highly recommend checking it out uh, even in this peak tv uh world that we live in i think that the show is is still widely regarded as a like a cult hit uh, a lot of people love it and uh, it it has a lot of interesting things go, things going for it. it 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 was kind of in that Um, age of everybody trying to copy lost and like this did it right. It was one of the shows that kind of, kind of hit that kind of uh, thing in the right way, like the right balance of mystery, but also characters and humanity. Um, But yeah, we'll have to see what this show looks like. Let's move on to another uh, TV series. This is explorers uh, based on the 1980s Joe Dante film, Chris, you wrote this up for the set. What do we know?
3: Uh, yes. So this is a very strange. T- like, I never thought this; these two directors would team up, but Kari uh, Fukunaga and David Lowry uh, are teaming to turn Joe Dante's 1985 uh, Goonies like adventure film Explorers into a TV series. Kari uh, Fukunaga, of course, directed the first season of True Detective, he directed Maniac. Uh, He's directing the new Bond movie and David Lowry made a a ghost story and peach dragon and the old man, the gun. These are movies that are nothing alike. So these, these filmmakers have very different sensibilities. So I, I never thought they would come together. And the fact that they're coming together for this is even weirder. So
1: both of them seem like auteurs who might not work well with others. Yes. Yeah. So
3: this, this, I don't know how this is going to work out, but uh, they're writing the the pilot together and one of them, and it's not clear who yet is going to direct. So I guess we're going to have to see how this turns out. Um, Explorers was a, a Joe Dante movie from 1985. It was not a big hit, but it, you know, it's, it's picked up a sort of cult following in, in the year since it was released. So I guess this will appeal to to fans of the movie? I don't really know. I, I don't know how this is going to turn out. It,
1: it, it's one of those movies, I think, like, in the line of films that kind of inspired Stranger Things. So if you if you kind of like those kind of films, you should check it out. I know that no one else on this podcast other than me is a fan of or has seen Explorers. But I would uh, – you know, I haven't seen it in many years, so I, I'm not sure if I can, like, entirely recommend it. But I, w- I would say check it out. It, it It's a good – uh, kids movie from that time and uh, if if you haven't I think Chris in his article embedded the teaser trailer for that movie which I think is like almost two minutes and shows n- not even a you know frame of film from the movie it's just a great it's one of the best teaser trailers I think uh, I, I once did a, a roundup of the best teaser trailers of all time for the site and I included the, the explorers it's, it's just so good um, but uh, HT, I, I know you have not even heard of this film before that this news broke. This, I this, <laughs> does any of this get you excited for like go going back and checking it out, or like it's just you know we're in a Stranger Things world where like we don't need to even go back to the source material.
2: Oh, I do like going back to the source material, and every now and then I like looking at all the homages that uh, series like Stranger Things and other sort of eighties riffing. Uh, titles go back to. So I probably would check it out at some point. I do also, I'm also intrigued by the combination of Carrie Fukunaga and David Laurie, who are two auteurs who I like. I don't know if I'll like them together (laughs) and I wonder what will happen. Which
1: one do you think will walk off this project first?
2: (laughs) I think Fukunaga, honestly. Yeah. yeah. (laughs)
1: Um, But uh, I was going to ask you because uh, there was a couple days ago, you wrote the story. uh, They're doing a, Another movie adaptation of The Color Purple, again with Steven Spielberg and Oprah. And you wrote this article for the site. We didn't, we couldn't get to it a couple of days back. Uh, but can you tell us about it?
2: Yeah, so Steven Spielberg and Oprah Winfrey are teaming up again for The Color Purple, but this time they're both working as producers, and this time The Color Purple will be a musical. So it's based off of The Color Purple musical um, that was written by uh, playwright Marsha Norman and with music and lyrics by Brenda Russell, Ali Willis, and Stephen Bray, and uh, which it, when it hit Broadway in 2005 earned 11 Tony nominations and even more Tony nominations when it was revived in 2016 with Cynthia Erivo in the starring role. So it um, is—it's a Broadway. Broadway stage musical that has had lots of success and will now make its way back to the big screen in a sort of circular fashion um, with um, yeah, Spielberg, Winfrey, uh, Quincy Jones, as well as Broadway vet Scott Sanders teaming up to produce the feature adaptation.
1: Now, I haven't seen The Color Purple in many years, but I, I remember not being a big fan of it. I'm a big fan of Steven Spielberg, but I'm also, you know, a white male um, and I probably saw this before, uh, you know, being more cultured and and uh, appreciating such films. Uh, so I'm wondering, what are your guys like? Does any of you have an attachment for this film? The original film?
0: This is one of the few Spielberg movies that I have not seen yet, um, which there are somehow there are still a few like this and always, I think I still haven't seen there. There might be like one or two others that I haven't gotten around to. So I am not uh, up to date on the story of The Color Purple, but I do really like uh, Cynthia Erivo. I had a chance to talk to her a little bit when I was doing some interviews for Bad Times at the El Royale. And um, I I think that would be really cool if she were able to, uh, you know, jump, make the jump from the stage back to the screen and and reprise that role in a movie. That would be pretty cool.
1: She's fantastic. Uh, Chris, have you seen it?
0: Uh,
3: Yeah, I saw the original film. It's, it's okay. It's not my favorite Spielberg. I do think he had the best intentions when making it, but you know, I do think uh, he probably maybe wasn't the right person to tell that story. Uh, You know, I've heard, I, I never saw the Broadway musical, but I I've heard songs from it and the songs are, are fantastic. So I'm not, entirely against this idea especially if cynthia Rebo comes back and plays that role again but i guess i i don't know i i've seen a lot of um backlash to this film from people of color so i don't know if this is a good idea or not hd do you have any thoughts on this
2: yeah um i'm also i had this is one of the spielbergs that i haven't watched yet um and uh like the, there's no writer or director yet attached to this, so Spielberg probably won't be taking his hand at helming it again. Uh, but I am intrigued if Cynthia Eriva were, re- were to reprise her role because she's starting to sort of make her rise as a movie star after Bad Times at the El Royale and the upcoming Widows. So I would be really intrigued to see if if she were to be attached and if her kind of rising star power would help bring this movie um, to light. And hopefully with a, a director of color this time and maybe with a writer who has a greater sense of what the story uh what kind what the story plays into like the culture yeah right now
1: what if spielberg is trying to be the first director who does two movie musicals in one year
2: that would be, I mean, that would be very in line with Spielberg, too, yeah. because he, just likes, he works like a workhorse sometimes.
1: Yeah. Um, okay, let's move on to our final story, and that is Paddington 3 is in development, but not with the same director. Ben, tell us about it.
0: Yeah, so Paddington 3 is officially in the works, but it sounds like director Paul King, who uh, directed the first and second movie in the Paddington franchise, which I can't even believe that there's a Paddington franchise, but uh, it, these movies are so good. So I, I'm, I was shocked that, that Paddington was able to turn into like one of the best running film series that we have right now. But uh, that's the world we're living in. Uh, but uh, producer David, uh, David Heyman, who is also producing the third movie, said, I don't think Paul King will direct the third. He did the first two. He and I are working on another project together. We haven't got a script yet. We've got a treatment, which we're still working on. Paul's involved in it. I want him to be involved in it because I think he's such a significant voice, but I don't think he'll direct. He worked on the idea with Simon Farnaby and Mark Burton, and then they develop it and come back for more. Then it'll get written and Paul will come in and stir it up a little bit. So it sounds like Paul King will still be involved, but not directing. Uh, Farnaby Simon Farnaby co-wrote Paddington 2 so that's good Uh, I actually like Paddington 2 a little bit more than the first movie so that's a that's a good sign and Mark Burton this is the first time that we've heard his name associated with this franchise he's a guy who wrote um, a bunch of Aardman or Aardman animations movies like uh, Sean the Sheep movie Early Man and Wallace and Gromit Curse the Were-Rabbit so that's an interesting writing pairing Um, I don't know if they'll be able to replicate the same magic that Paul King was able to do, uh, you know, as a, a writer or co-writer and a director on those first two films. Because uh, like I said, those first two movies are just so delightful. I, I don't know. It's going to be tough. He, he leaves a uh, big shoes to fill.
1: The thing with the Paddington movies is it's not a franchise that works because of the character or the story. It works because of the execution and the tone and, you know, it's 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 such a small runway, and it was landed so well, and uh, I'm I'm very skeptical. You know, someone else coming in. HT, do you have any thoughts?
2: Yeah, I think it's a huge loss to have Paul King not in the third one because he injected the first and especially the second with such vibrancy and liveliness, and uh, was I think one of the primary parts of what made. Um, Paddington 2 especially works so well in addition to to Sally um, Hawkins who's great in the movie but I yeah I don't know it, it feels like there's big sh- shoes to fill up if with Paul King leaving um, and um, I don't know if anyone else can pull off the, the balance of just like family friendly zest and uh, just like visual delight that he that he pulled off
1: for sure uh, HC where can people find more of your work online
2: You can find me every day at SlashFilm.com and I'm on Twitter at htranbui.
0: Ben, where can we find you? I am also at SlashFilm.com. You can find me on Twitter at Ben Pears. And Chris, where can we find you?
2: Also
3: SlashFilm.com and I'm on Twitter at c evangelista 413 You can
1: find me at SlashFilm on all social media. You can find this podcast uh, on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. You can find all the articles we talked about today on SlashFilm.com. Actually, yesterday, guys, I was at the Magic Castle and someone came up to me and was like, are you the Daily guy? <laughs> Didn't even know the website. Just listened <laughs> to the podcast and overheard me talking. So I thought Maybe he kinda... thought you were Michael Barbaro from the New York Times podcast, <laughs> The Daily. Oh, no, no, no. He pulled out his phone and showed me uh, the logo on his uh, Apple podcast app, which is kind of cool. Um and he was like, he, he he was a friend. He was like, I don't listen to all the the whole episodes. Like you know, I I just listen to the news items I care about, and I'll I'll fifteen second fast forward through the ones I don't care about. <laughs> I was like, okay, wh- whatever you got to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, anyways,
3: uh, so yeah. No. <laughs> You're missing all the banter, sir. Please, listen to the whole show. We put yeah. a lot of work into this. He's probably going to miss this because he's fast-forwarding through it. Yeah, he, he, didn't,
1: he didn't get through the – he never heard the after credits that we do often here. Uh, oh, what a loss. Yeah. But um, <laughs> no. uh, But know. Uh, if you have a question, comment, concern, or feedback, send it to peter at com, and leave your name, general geographic location in case we mention the email on the air. And please go to our iTunes page uh give us a five-star review write us something sweet and uh tell your friends spread the word and we'll see you tomorrow okay guys i've been running around all morning i have not had a chance to look at the news w- the what real it, news you know, or the movie news the, the, the real news like what <laughs> okay. I- what is the uh <laughs> what is the fallout from the, uh,
3: the yesterday's election like what uh everything is bad and
2: uh we flipped the house though
3: yes there's there's hey, everything's oh. bad but we got the house yeah if i mean yeah everything is uh yeah getting the house is good um donald trump is still president so you know it's well, not but that that, good. Could, that,
1: could, that couldn't have been changed yesterday That's... you never
3: know you know stranger <laughs> things have happened like he won you know so.
0: I just saw like right before we started recording that uh, he asked Jeff Sessions to step down. So that probably means that he's going to go after Mueller and, and try to stop the investigation in some way. I don't know. There, It seems like a lot of shit is probably going to start happening very soon. So Yeah, he we'll fired Sessions
2: see. over tweet, which is a classic Trump move.
1: Classic Trump you know, someday we're gonna be like looking back at this, and we'll we'll, we'll have a laugh. We'll be like, remember will when the know? president would fire yeah. people will over we?
0: Twitter? I don't know about that, Peter. We'll all, we'll all be we are,
2: skeletons when our skins are burning. Like when our skin is burning off, and we're like melting in a, <laughs> a a giant dumpster fire. We'll look at this and laugh when we when our skin wasn't burning.
0: Yes,
3: our radiated bones will have a good chuckle. <laughs>